0: You know, the old saying is elections have consequences. So who you put in, uh, who you put in office can make the difference. Not all of the time, but a good portion of the time. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. And what I mean by that is um, there was a time where it didn't matter who you put in office. Foreign policy would stay the same. You know, you put Barack Obama in office and we're doing the same thing that George W. Bush did. And elections have consequences when you put somebody in who's a game changer, good or bad. You think about what happened with Barack Obama's election. Now we have the albatross of Obamacare, the cancer that is destroying the healthcare industry, so much so that the Democrat candidates. Um, and let's pour one out for Julian Castro, who just left the race. I think he was like, what, postmaster general or something? The HUD secretary under uh, Obama. Um, They're all out there saying on the on the nomination stage, on the debate stage, that we need Medicare for all. Joe Biden's out there saying, if you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. Where have we heard that before? So elections have consequences. The midterms. What happens when they get into power? Well, they end up trying to impeach our president over a phone call over nothing and they have yet to deliver articles of impeachment to the how or to the Senate to the point where one even wonders whether or not he was truly impeached so elections have consequences and a good consequence is what happened right around the new year. It was a really crazy new year, but we had this attack on installations within Syria. The U.S. went in, did some, did some calculated strikes in Syria, which basically took out Iranian bases. And we can get into the nuts and bolts in this. If you've listened to this show, you understand why Iran is important to Syria. Because Iran is using Syria, using the destabilization that's happening in Syria, and building bases throughout the country so that they can leverage force against uh, Israel. And the United States decided to come through and eliminate some of these bases. And that ended up causing a huge outcry from the Hezbollah terrorist group, which Hezbollah, Hamas, those are terrorist organizations linked to Iran. And Iran has these terrorist groups throughout the Middle East. You know, you can't think of it country specific. I saw where somebody had messaged me and they said, you know, um, why are we why wouldn't Iraq be concerned about Iran operating on their soil? Well, because Iraq is now little Iran. And if you don't understand that Iran is littered in Lebanon, in Pakistan, in Iraq, the government control of Baghdad is a Shia-controlled group. The Dawah party. Maliki. If you remember Maliki, when he was brought in, they thought this guy is just somebody who is uh, a revolutionary, and he doesn't like Saddam Hussein, so maybe when we eliminate Saddam Hussein, we can help this guy mobilize his party into power. Little did they know, he is directly connected to Iran. So... Over the years, especially during the Obama administration, Iran took control of Iraq. And if you think about it, in the 70s, we had this huge war between Iraq and Iran. And then Iraq became victorious from the war, and now we just turned around and said, here you go, you have it. Have at it, have a good time. So Iran has always been throughout the Middle East again the Cuds forces which are basically hezbollah um, they're in Iraq they're in they're in Syria now and so we decided to push them back and so after doing so we get what happened around the first of the year Washington Post actually called these people mourners so apparently what was the result of the strike against these installations throughout uh, throughout Syria, what that resulted in was mourners coming out to march. This is the New York Times. Believe it or not, hundreds of Iraqi mourners tried to storm the United States embassy in Baghdad shouting, shouting down, down USA in response to deadly American airstrikes this week that killed 25 fighters. Well... They're not mourners. It was Hezbollah. And they were trying to sack our embassy. Now, the difference between what we did and what um, the Obama administration did with Libya is striking. Because we actually sent uh, reinforcements. How about that? Yeah, the New York Times, pro-Iranian protesters end siege of U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Iran's ability to deploy militias, to attack uh, the American embassy with Iraqi support, made clear how much power it wields in Iraq. You don't say. After a second day of tense protests at the American embassy in Baghdad, thousands of pro-Iranian demonstrators dispersed on Wednesday, ending a siege that had trapped American diplomats in the embassy in the compound overnight and winding down a potentially explosive crisis for the Trump administration. The demonstrators had swarmed outside the embassy, chanting uh, chanting, death to America. Where have you heard that before? That should be tattooed on the flag of Iran. (laughs) Some tried to scale the uh, compound's walls. Others clambered onto the roof of the uh, reception building, and they had burned that part of the building the day before. In contrast, when some demonstrators forced their way into the compound and set some of the buildings on fire, the crowd on Wednesday was smaller and no protesters breached the compound, um, the compound's gates. When the demonstrators, largely members of Iranian-backed militias, see, you hear how they just gloss over that? They're largely members of Iranian-backed militias, angered by deadly American airstrikes, reached the roof of the burned reception building on Wednesday, American security forces, including Marine reinforcements, sent by the Pentagon the day before, fired tear gas to drive them back. That's what you're supposed to do. The full withdrawal came after leaders of the Iranian-backed militias who had organized the demonstration called on the crowd to leave and mostly gradually drifted away on foot or drove off in trucks. The leaders later announced their agreement to withdraw was conditioned on the commitment from the Iraq's Prime Minister, Adel Abu Mahdi, to move ahead with legislation to force American troops to withdraw from Iraq. Whether or not such legislation comes to pass, the episode reflected a new reality in Iraq. Iran's ability to deploy militias, to blockade American diplomats inside the embassy for almost two days, made it clear how much power they wield in the Iraqi government. Yet we've known this for a while. Now the media's never talked about it. All we saw was during the George W. Bush era, you had elections and everybody's holding up their blue fingerprints. You know, look at us, I voted. Come to find out, as I'm watching News on Syria during the beginnings of the Obama administration on foreign networks, TRT World and uh, press TV. They were actually interviewing somebody, and that's when the person said, well, you know, Iran basically runs Baghdad. (laughs) That's when I scratched my head. I was like, when did Iran take over Iraq? Well, it wasn't that long ago. Back in 2007, 2008, I believe. Um, Could have been earlier than that. But these people were not mourners attacking the embassy. They were Hezbollah. Now, one of the interesting parts of this whole incident with the, imbe- the embassy, to which the media was joyously going on and just clamoring and hoping that this would end up being a violent overthrow of our embassy. They wanted this to be Benghazi. They were out there going, this is Trump's Benghazi. Trump actually fired back and said, no, this is the anti-Benghazi. And he had Marines deployed within hours. He had reinforcements retaliating and those in the embassy were also firing back. So it was under control fairly quickly. And over the course of a couple of days, these militia, Iranian militia members who are Hezbollah, basically like Iran's al-Qaeda, they decided to leave. But it was interesting who was involved with Hamas, I mean uh, Hezbollah And this whole firebombing of our embassy This is from Breitbart Iranian militia leader Hadi al-Amiri One of several identified as leading an attack on the U.S. embassy in Baghdad Reportedly visited the White House in 2011 During the presidency of Barack Obama A mob in Baghdad attacked the U.S. embassy in retaliation To last weekend's U.S. air strikes against Iranian-backed Shiite militia Hezbollah groups responsible for killing an American civilian contractor. Um, Hezbollah is one of the number of pro-Iranian militias that make up the popular mobilization forces, which legally became a wing of the Iraqi military after fighting the Sunni Islamic State terrorist group. Well, since that point, a person was identified as being a part of the attacking group. And this gentleman was somebody who showed up at the White House in 2011. It's this you can't even make this up. So. The Washington Post reported that among those agitating protesters in Baghdad in Baghdad up against our embassy was Hadi al-Amiri, a former transportation minister with close ties to Iran, who leads what is known as the Badar organization, the Badar Corps. They were a key player battling American forces in 2003 um, following the invasion of the United States into Iraq. It also has members who have gone to Syria to fight alongside Bashar al-Assad. They fall under the same umbrella group as the Iranian-backed militia Hezbollah, the terrorist group that was hit by an American airstrike. So this guy, (laughs) who has visited the White House with Maliki who was the former former prime minister of Iraq, the person who was placed into power after Saddam Hussein. In 2011, both Fox News and Washington Times noted that the then-Iraq prime minister, Nouri al-Maliki, brought his transportation minister, al-Amiri, to a meeting at the White House. The Times noted that the White House did not confirm his attendance, but the official was on Iraq's listed members of its delegation. The Al-Amari accompanied Al-Maliki, besides also being the transportation minister, was identified at the time as commander of the Badr organization, further indicating that it was the same person. At the time, the outlets expressed concern that Al-Amari had ties to the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, which the FBI has stated played a role in the 1996 terrorist attack that killed 19 U.S. servicemen. President Trump designated the IRGC, a foreign terrorist organization, the first time an official arm of a foreign state received the delegation or the designation. Fox News Ed Henry questioned White House Press Secretary Jay Carney following the visit about the attendance of Al-Amari at the White House. Carney refused to answer, stating that he would need to investigate the issue. (laughs) So this guy, who is a part of the attack on our embassy, in response to what happened with our strikes in Syria is a guy who was hanging out at the White House in 2011. And there's something with the Obama administration in Iran, giving them pallets of cash. It's I, I don't understand what their fascination is with Iran, unless they are a wing of Iran. <laughs> to which I've said, you know what? Maybe they are. <laughs> I mean, it's really it's really amazing, especially when you th- Start thinking about the takes that the media has been given in regards to all of this. I mean, call, calling them mourners? And then the kicker was what happened on, I think it was uh, Thursday, where we struck a Baghdad airport. And in doing so, we took out the number two guy, the guy right below the Ayatollah, Kasim Suleimandi. This guy was responsible for the deaths of so many people in Iraq, so many American servicemen. This guy is up there with Osama bin Laden. And we took this guy out. And now the media is worried. this I mean, so many takes. So many takes. It's crazy. I mean, look at this. This is actually from uh, Tommy Viter Strikes on Hezbollah, targets led to breach of our embassy in Baghdad. If the U.S. did this, the response from Iran will likely be exponentially greater. Is there a plan to keep our personnel in the region safe? Soleimani is a POS, but this seems insane. And then you got Chris Murphy. This is two days apart. This is the first one before Soleimani was killed. The attack on our embassy in Baghdad is horrifying, but predictable. Trump has rendered America impotent in the Middle East. No one fears us. No one listens to us. America has been reduced to a huddling say uh, of huddling in safe rooms, hoping the bad guys will go away. What a disgrace! And this is after Soleimani was killed. Soleimani was an enemy of the United States. That's not a question. The question is, as reports suggest, did America just assassinate without any congressional authorization the second most powerful person in Iran, knowingly setting off a potential massive regional war? Well, you know, he doesn't need congressional authority to do emergency airstrikes he needs it to declare war now we haven't declared war on iran but in times of situations where the commander chief commander-in-chief needs to act what happens with if congress isn't in session do we have to wait for them to reconvene to conduct a military strike a necessary one do we have to wait for they, they can't even get the friggin' articles of impeachment over to the Senate. Do we have to wait for them to reconvene and then get in front of them and go, hey, um, can we uh, go to war? Can we get our embassy straight, help those people out over there? Can we take out those targets in Syria that are that are killing American civilians, you know, contractors and who are also uh, pressuring Israel? Can we do that? And then you got to wait for the votes. Then you got to wait. For, I mean, th- That's not how this happens. What you do is you allow the president to be the commander-in-chief and conduct the missions that are necessary in those times of need. And then if it leads to a war, that's when you go through the process of declaring war. And that's where congressional approval comes into play. This is Peter Beinart. Soleimani has lots of blood on his hands. So did Saddam Hussein. And assassinating him is the single most reckless act of American foreign policy since the Iraq war. You know, wait until Americans realize that, uh, Qasem Soleimani's squad of Iranian Hezbollah terrorists were running drugs with the help of Mexican drug cartels across our border as a way of conducting a soft jihad on American liberty and personal freedom. I mean, at least, you know, with the attack on the embassy, you know, this is from Elizabeth Nolan Brown. She said, so the president acted like a self-serving sociopath chicken bleep that, he is and opted to usher in countless of Americans uh, to their death rather than risk the first 2020 news cycle to go away. Well, at least he wasn't hiding, playing go fish with Reggie Love while our ambassador was being fisted with a machete and died. I mean, this is from Michael McFall. Has any U.S. ally or partner in the world praised our assassination of Suleimani too early? Or are we alone on this one? Um, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We don't need the EU. We don't need the UN. The UN loves Iran. The UN hates us and Israel. We don't need them for praise. We just need to take out who needs to be taken out, especially when it regards our embassy in Iraq. This is from Lisa Page. Yeah, she was stroking, stroking to the east and Peter stroking to the west. She was the FBI attorney that's involved in the spine of Donald Trump. And her love interest, Peter Stroke, she said, Iran is smart and strategic and all over the world. Iran isn't an irrational actor, but they have the pride of a 5,000-year-old of culture. I fear that they're going to hit back in a way to remind America that they are real and an independent country. Really? I love Jordan Shachtel from Conservative Review, his response. The intel community old guard speaks with incredible confidence But that doesn't mean they're right. Islamic Republic rejects states history pre-1979, and no, the mullahs are not particularly impressive. They've been emboldened and empowered by pallets of cash and realignment fantasies. And that's the truth. Here's Adam Schiff. Soleimani was responsible for unthinkable violence, and the world is better without him But Congress didn't authorize, and American people don't want a war with Iran. All steps must now be taken to protect our forces against the almost inevitable escalation and increased risk. This is Elizabeth Warren. Soleimani was a murderer responsible for the deaths of thousands and hundreds of Americans. But this reckless move escalates the situation with Iran and increases the likelihood of more deaths in the Middle East conflict. Our priority must be to avoid another costly war. Evan McMullen, head (laughs) Evan McMuffin, Kasami Soleimani had the blood of countless Americans, civilians, uh, Syrian civilians and others on his hands. He was a major destabilizing force in the region and the world, but we've chosen a path of significant sudden escalation with Iran. So what's the plan? Is there a plan? And Rose McGowan, of course, Soleimani was an evil, evil man who did evil things, but that at this moment, is not the freaking point. The United States is morally corrupt and acts illegally. It's only logical to appeal to Iran's pride by apologizing. I'm taking one for the team. Hashtag team stay alive. So the takes by the left are unfreaking believable So yeah, elections have consequences. And most of the Obama administration was basically an Iranian proxy. But what's really uh, crazy is how Trump responded because he did it the right way. We haven't had the right way in a response in a long time. It's good to see. It's refreshing to see how we strike back. We provide reinforcements to our embassy. We actually do things that make a difference in in light of everything. I mean, do you think we would have this kind of reaction if Hillary Clinton was president? I mean, we didn't under Obama. We didn't under Hillary Clinton's State Department. And that's something that really kind of struck me when I read that information about the guy who visited the White House, who was a part of the attack on the embassy. Is this the holdover from that whole plan, the Civil Society 2.0, where the State Department creates revolutionary factions in in other countries and helps them organize, and that way they can topple over the government? Was this a holdover? Or was Obama contacting these individuals and saying, hey, we're they're attacking syrian uh installations iranian installations inside syria you might want to do something about it who knows these people are that insidious we don't know if this was something that was co- coordinated with the progressive left that was in power and the iranian government because you've got peter stroke with iranian ties you've got lisa page with iranian ties you've got obama giving iran pallets of cash And they all have utter disdain for Donald Trump. So who knows? We may never get to the bottom of it, but it doesn't surprise me when I see that the guy who was heading up the attack on the embassy was also a guy who visited the White House in 2011. And good on Donald Trump to take out the guy right under the Ayatollah, Soleimani. Apparently he knew, Soleimani knew that we had eyes on him in Baghdad. He went anyways because they don't fear us, but they do now. Especially when we're taking out high-ranking officials in the Iranian regime. That's a good Trump. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo50 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Also get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, Tune In, iHeart, Overcast. Wherever podcasts are hosted, and be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com Adrian Slade Show, give $2 a month, or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parler convo snippy search adrian slade follow us on twitter at rants out loud or at adrian slade show which is the official show page on twitter and you can also read the blog AdrianSladeshow.com. you can also get the adrian slade show roku channel in your streaming store on the roku streaming channel store be sure to download the adrian slade show roku channel we'll see you guys next time thanks for tuning in